You're listening to the Marketing to Millions podcast, the only show to give you real, raw, behind-the-scenes tools and marketing strategies to create a thriving online coaching business. I'm your host, Liz Bohr, a girl who traded in her corporate climbing career to help ambitious thought leaders create a bigger impact using effective and intentional digital marketing strategies. Thanks for listening in. I'm so glad you're here. Now let's dive into today's show. Lucy, thank you so much for joining me in this very special mini series all about shattering entrepreneurial glass ceiling. So before I give the mic over to you to share a little bit about what your journey has been, where you started and where you have been, I would love for you to tell us what entrepreneurial glass ceiling that you have broken, whether that's something that you placed on yourself or culturally. Yeah, this is a good one. So I have always come from a household where I was told that to be successful, you have to work really hard. And working hard always meant working a lot of hours. So a lot of the times, like what was glamorized was like working 10 hour days. I mean, 10 hour plus, to be completely honest. And just really like, if you want to scale a business, you know, you have no social life. So I think in the beginning phases of my business, especially seeing parents and grandparents work long hours, I thought that, okay, well, if I want to be successful, I have to just work harder and work more hours. So a big glass ceiling for me was the idea that my success and the impact that my business is able to have does not have to be tied to the amount of hours that I'm at my desk. It really is about working smart and that I can work three to four hour days some days or take a vacation or just have a half day Friday because I it's a nice day and I want to hang out with some friends. So I think that was a huge glass ceiling that I had to get through because so many generations before me were like, work hard, work hard. And I just decided, you know, success is going to look different. I really love that. I came from the corporate world. And one thing that always has stuck with me, the company that I worked for as a startup in Southern California, the company that I worked for before I started my business, the CEO at the time, his whole mentality was pretty much butts and seats. He believed that if you were in the office for nine hours per day, you would be more successful or you would get all of your work done and be successful. And it was always interesting to me because I always thought that in myself, you know, I'm a type of person. So I am a self-starter, you know, all of the things. And if I have a task, I can get it done in shorter amount of time than a lot of people can. And so for me, that meant that I'm likely working double the amount of hours than like Joe next to me, who is like taking a nap for half the day <laughs> and just like kind of sitting there twiddling his thumbs. Like literally there was one guy that I worked with that would play video games for like a couple hours during the day. And I'm like, if this is all that matters, if I'm spending the same amount of nine hours in my day that this dude over here is spending in his nine hour day, well, why can't I kind of do this on my own? <laughs> and I probably will be able to work maybe five hours, seven hour days because I'm not spending two of it napping or, you know, playing video games. Yeah, no, so and that's yes. such like an underrated thing. Absolutely. <laughs> it's just like the idea. I mean, it's the cliche, like work smart, not hard. But at the end of the day, like focused work where you just put your phone down and get things done 
way better. And I mean, video games is like such an extreme example. I feel like I would be like internally seething if I was in that environment. Oh, yeah, I was. Well, it was interesting. And this getting a little off topic, but it was interesting because the game that he I'm not a gamer, so I'm not sure what he was playing. But the game that he was playing was the one where you have someone like watch you play. So in the like literally the middle of the office, he would be like playing this. He had no like no boundaries, like no shame of like, hey, you're paying me to play a video game. But anyway, there was always be like a little person in the bottom of his screen that would be like watching him and they could probably see us. I don't know. It's very strange to me, but I'm like, this person is watching you play. They're spending their day watching you play a game that you're both playing together. I'm not really sure, but it was a very strange concept. <laughs> anyway, I digress about the corporate world. But that, you know, glamorizing a 10-hour workday to mean, you know, hustle equals more money really resonates with me and my time kind of spent in corporate. So, you know, how are you able to shift your mindset from I have to be working 10-hour days to, no, it's okay, I'm going to work half the time or I'm going to take some time off. And, you know, how were you still able to be successful in just a short period of time? Yeah, so I definitely like had my hustle period. I'm not going to like lie and be like, oh, I started working two hours a day because that's not true. Um, I started my business in the pandemic and my first three months were like, didn't see the sun. It was helpful that it was a pandemic. I was in lockdown and it was winter and there was no sun, but it was really just like, hustling hard and building this business and kind of like reaching out to people, expanding my network. And like it did get to 14, 16 hour days where I was like eating lunch and dinner at the computer. And I'm happy that I had this time because I feel like I needed this like big push of motivation and inspiration to get the business off the ground. But as I started to get clients and fall into this flow, I just realized like it wasn't healthy. Like I was saying no to going out with friends when I was just getting tired. And I knew that like this was a path to burnout. I've seen it in people around me. So I decided to kind of pull back. And one month I was like, you know, I'm just going to try working and doing like everything I need to do and nothing more. And that ended up being my highest income month. So Knowing me, I was like, oh, this, this must be a fluke. Wow, this is weird. But yeah. then I realized that when I give my business space to breathe, I show up with better energy for my clients and I'm able to show up with energy that helps me grow it faster because I'm not giving off this hustle or desperation energy where I'm young and hungry. I'm giving off this like very confident energy where it's like, I just got an ice cream cone with my best friend and now I'm hopping on this discovery call. Like, let's, let's work together. And I think just yeah. the person I was when I showed up was so much better that I was actually able to grow a lot faster. That's really interesting that you had that realization so early on that kind of helped you to see it doesn't have to be forced. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be something that you grind and grind and grind for to maybe make a little bit of progress. You gave yourself space to do a good job and onboard new people, but also the rest and the space to have people come to you, have, you mm -hmm. know, your whatever content that you might be putting out or however you're selling your, your product, have it kind of work in your favor and allow that to go out into the world and then people see it and, and come back to you. Do you find that that was kind of part of the process? 
Oh, absolutely. I think like a really great metaphor for this is like when you post something on Instagram or you post a reel and you go back like two minutes later to be like, who liked it? And then you like notice (laughs) if there were like three plays and you start to get really like demoralized. But the truth is like, you just posted it. Like you're way better off like leaving and coming back and being like, oh, 200 views. And the idea if you're like constantly breathing down your business's neck, you just don't give it any time to just like do what it's naturally going to do. As a service provider, where do you find that you were most successful in bringing on clients? Yeah, so sometimes I think I got a little bit lucky because I decided to hop on Reels as soon as Instagram introduced them. Mm -hmm. I had a woman that I actually wrote copy for. She created the first Reels course ever to be released. So I was like, oh, cool. Okay, this sounds nice. So I took that course and I made it just like my whole strategy. And that's how I was able Mm -hmm. to grow up to a thousand really engaged followers fairly quickly. I'm not a big fan of vanity metrics, but I think having like people in your Instagram community that are engaged and in your target market is super, super valuable. So Mm -hmm. I just really leaned into reels and now I'm a little bit more diversified, but that was what I just kind of like went full steam ahead with. Cool. That's probably encouraging for some people that might be dabbling into reels right now and thinking, can I actually turn these reels into profits? Can I really get clients from them? And it sounds like you were able to grow your business basically off of doing one thing on Instagram, just using reels and getting clients from that. Oh, for sure. And I would tell really anyone who's starting out or growing, like master one platform before you start dipping your toes in others. I think me being all in on Instagram was huge because the truth is like a social media strategy takes so much time to develop and implement Mm -hmm. that like if you're trying to be on four platforms and you're only inconsistently posting on them, you know, it's really hard to gain the momentum you need to actually see the results. Yeah, that's such a good point. What do you think attributed outside of, do you think Reels was what attributed to your being able to grow your business? I think previously before we were chatting, you are kind of sitting around the multi-six-figure mark. Do you think Reels was attributed to most of your success or what would you attribute it to? I would say it's two-pronged. So Reels definitely helped me get like the eyeballs on my stuff. But I think the stuff that really helped me grow was just the unapologetic, I guess, like the commitment I had to my brand voice. I knew I was going to be blunt. I was going to be a little bit spicy. I was going to show up and talk in a really casual way. And I was going to curse. And I was just going to be like, screw all that corporate jargon. I want to write copy that people actually want to read. And I made that a thread that went through all of my content, all of my interviews, everything just was so consistent that by the time people got to me and we hopped on a sales call, they were like, I've already read your stuff. I like the way you write. And I like the way that you show up in this unapologetic way. And I want that for my brand. So I think that definitely was like the foundation that had to be built. But the reels totally helped with getting like hundreds of thousands of views on my brand voice. Yeah, two prong. It's probably from what I'm hearing, the the right approach that you took, obviously. Where did you find you felt most of your motivation from? Because I can imagine you're starting out, you know, you're committed to your brand voice. Maybe it's different, than a different approach than other people would have taken or someone that's just starting out that might be looking at doing something similar. What have you found has been your biggest motivation to 
adversity or someone saying, you know, oh, I don't really like the brand voice that you have. Can you write something different for me? Yeah. So this is a tough one. I mean, like as a service provider, as much as I love to be sassy and have my own voice in the online space, I also, you know, want to make clients happy and I don't want to turn them into little me's. Like when I'm crafting other brand <laughs> voices, they're always like totally customized. And some people want that like educated, formal, a little bit more luxe feel. And to that, I, I do it. Like, I think there's really, as long as they're being true to who they are and they're not trying to emulate something that feels really forced and manufactured, I'm 100% in their corner and down to do that. So I think when it comes to kind of those adversities or people like saying like, oh, I don't like your brand tone, most of the time I just assume that they're not going to hire me. But if they do like the way that I write in like this concise, punchy way, but they don't want like that side of sass and bluntness, of course, we're going to take it out and we're going to make something that's really authentic to who they are. Yeah, that, that's a good point. And, and probably a good reminder for service providers in general is that just because something is your brand doesn't necessarily mean it has to be exactly how someone else that's hiring you to do that same service, how you show up for their brand, right? Because you're going to customize it. Although the, that initial brand voice or maybe your color palette or how you're showing up online attracted them to you. So something about it they liked, but their brand is different. Everyone's brand is, is unique. And as a service provider, you, Lucy, are adapting your strategy and how you're writing that copy to mirror and match the person that is working with you. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's like, I take it as a compliment when people are like, wait, you wrote that? I'm like, I did. I know it sounds nothing like how I write my nurture emails, but I channeled some kind of person that wasn't me and I wrote it. What has been the biggest audience or niche that has challenged you to write outside of your comfort zone? I'm always curious to hear from copywriters, what has been the most unique voice that they've had to adapt to write for? Yeah. So this is definitely going to have to be tech companies. So I'm so girly in my marketing and I'm unapologetic about it. My branding's pink. My IG bio is personality packed words for powerful women. But every now and then a tech company reaches out to me and they're like, we love how like concise and punchy the copy is. Do you work with tech companies? And the answer is yes. Like I love like bringing this like fun energy to companies that would be like a little outside of what I usually do. And I think it's definitely the most challenging because of just the material. Sometimes things get kind of technical, but taking technical knowledge and making it fun for a consumer to read is a steep challenge, but one that I'm always up for. So cool. Yeah, tech would be very different than, than uh, <laughs> so different. writing for a, a female <laughs> founder online business. Definitely more B2B. So that, that would be a unique and interesting challenge for sure. Absolutely. But it's fun. I mean, especially I like to see like technical industries kind of embracing this new, like normal, casual way of talking to people. And I think we need it more because the truth is like the technical jargon goes over a lot of people's heads and a lot of tech companies, especially if they are serving small businesses, solopreneurs or the consumer directly could benefit from really digestible copy that's fun to read. So, so true. I think a lot of us are kind of just sick of the bro style yeah. marketing <laughs> and the, the boring like tech. There's a few, I don't have cable, but there's a few really badly, horribly shot commercials that I'll see sometimes on 
uh, you know, if I'm watching like live sport or something live and I just like cringe every time. I'm like, <laughs> you could really benefit from hiring someone that has some personality or just asking someone else to look at this because it is horrible. And I see it every, like they buy every spot within the commercial break. And it's like, I'm seeing this every single time. Please change. <laughs> Yeah, definitely I, see, I totally from- see that. Okay. You're like, who proofread this before it went out? <laughs> yes, who proofread it? Who is <laughs> shooting your camera angle? Like, why is this? Why is this okay? It's it's really not. <laughs> I used to sell ad space for Hulu, so I'm like tuned in when I am watching commercials. One of those people that's like really watching them because it's so interesting to me to like see what yeah, you must, like, people love are the putting out there now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The Super Bowl does, eh, it's not as good as it used to be, I think. I think a lot of the big guys, you know, auto is still really prominent, but there's a lot of brands that have kind of pulled out from the Super Bowl of having, buying space there because it's so expensive. Mm-hmm. And yeah. now that social and, you know, content creators are more prevalent, people are moving more to like brand influencers than they are for like million dollar space in the Super Bowl or, uh, you know, type of thing. Absolutely. Okay, so as you look at your next six months, maybe your next year, how are you planning to continue to stay at or continue to climb, if that's your choice, the success that you've had so far? Because I think one of the, the hardest things to do as entrepreneurs, and a lot of this is probably, you know, just mindset work that a lot of us can do, but I find that and and you kind of alluded to it before when you were saying these, you know, this might be a fluke type of thing. But a, a lot of us, or for most of us, we're, we can hit the level once. But mm. how do we consistently hit that level of success again and again, year over year, or continue to climb year over year without sabotaging our own success? So I'd love to hear from you. What are some of those things, if any, that you're kind of starting to do to grow as a a CEO to grow as a person to help yourself to continue to see the same level or grow your level of success? Yeah. I mean, like, I just want to be totally transparent and say, I definitely have a pretty scary business model for a service provider. A lot of service providers that I talk to in my network, they have like primarily income that comes from retainer clients. They have a little bit more consistent of a project schedule. And my main thing is I do VIP days. So people will book me for VIP days. And obviously some months I'm like constantly in VIP days and other months it's like, okay, does anyone want to hire me? So I think just my version of success has never been this like linear, like let's grow this specific way and move this way. It's like a crazy tsunami wave. And I've learned (laughs) just through my savings, my budgeting that like tsunami waves are going to happen. So I'm like fully prepared for this roller coaster. So I kind of see my growth to continue to be this big up down mountain, but the mountains just get higher and the falls get less to the ground and more maybe to the midway. So that's kind of how I've started to define success. And it's been hard coming around to that idea because I've always thought like, oh, you hit 10K months. Now you have to hit 10K months every month and then go to 20K months and you never hit another 2K month or 5K month. And truthfully, that's not realistic. Like there's going to be slow months. So I think when it comes to my next six months to a year, I want to continue serving people and writing the best things I can do to help my clients soar. But I also want to continue to diversify my offers so I'm able to 
make my knowledge and make my time go further. And how do you think that you will, how are you planning to diversify your income as you look for that next six months, 12 months out? Yeah. So I actually have two offers. One is I have right now, it's called the copy roast. So what I do is I audit people's copy. And then something coming soon is I'm creating a copy template shop for DIYers that just want frameworks that work so they can really write their own copy and just launch the heck out of it and see the results they want. So cool. So smart that you are looking to diversify in that way. A lot of people might say, oh, you need to create a course or do this or that. But having just those small pieces that can sustain you in those ebb and flows, if the VIP days is, you know, where you're prominently bringing in the majority of your income from, those definitely, you know, will help you to sustain your baseline, if you will. And and that way you can focus on VIP days or taking more days off or whatever you want to do. So that's so smart that you're setting it up in that way. And and then it can be sustainable or I forget the term that you use, but then it can not just be like a fire hose approach each month, you know, like it's yeah, give absolutely. you some more ready. <laughs> For sure. And I tried the whole course thing. I really thought I could yeah. like coach. And then I learned I don't like coaching. And it's funny because yeah. I work with like probably 40% of my clients are coaches. But I was like, yeah, I'm going to leave that to you guys because you're fabulous. But like I would get on coaching calls and be like, I just want to write. So that was like a really great realization. I think it's so important. So many people are going to tell you like, do this, do this. This is how you scale. But if you're not aligned yeah. with something and you're showing up to work and you're like, I don't want to do this, then it definitely shouldn't be in your offer suite. That is such an important lesson that I don't think we should grace over because one, it didn't feel aligned for you. And two, you tried it and you realize like, hey, I don't love doing this. Part of the benefit of having your own business is that you get to decide what you are working <laughs> on. You don't have someone hovering over your shoulder saying, do this project. You have to work with this client. This is going to be your job for the next six months. And if you hate it, I don't care, but you have to do it anyway because <laughs> I'm paying you. And you decided for yourself that wasn't your path. You weren't going to grind it out and hopefully maybe eventually become like this all loving coach. And you'd realize that like you really wanted to do this along the way. You realized early on that, you know, you wanted to continue to be a service provider. You're opening your template shop so that you can serve more than one type of person. Someone's not ready for a one-on-one -on -one custom copy, then they have the opportunity to go and grab those plug-and-play templates. But it's still allowing you to write and be that service provider for your client and focus on that one thing. You alluded to this earlier, making, you know, part of your success has been you just really focusing in on one thing and being really, really good at that one thing. For sure. I think like I totally dabbled when I was, I knew I wanted to be in the online space. I knew I wanted to travel. I didn't want to be in a corporate job or like in a place where I had to be in one place. So I thought like, oh, maybe I can be a social media manager. And then I'm like, yeah, I actually, I don't like this. And then I was like, I could do graphic design. And I was like, no, but I draw like a four-year-old. So it's like, there was a <laughs> lot of like things that I was like, maybe I could do. I was like, maybe I'd be a good virtual assistant. I'm kind of good at a lot of things. But at the end of the day, like writing is what I love. Like I've been writing my whole life. I was a food writer for five years. 
So mm-hmm. I was like, yes, like moving into writing has to be where I am. And then I just cut all the other stuff because the truth is people need to know you for something because they can't refer to a unicorn because their clients are going to be like, oh, what do they do? And you can't just say everything. So I think really just like picking something and honing in on it and just going all in is number one for being successful, especially as a service provider. Yeah. For you, you kind of touched on a few areas that you could be successful, but you realize you didn't like them. And I think you doing that is where a lot of people will get stuck because they realize that they have so many skills. And I think that's just what makes a great entrepreneur is being Mm -hmm. open, having an open mind and heart to the opportunity. You know, you have all of these great ideas, but you start to really think about them or maybe write them down and, and then realize what it would take to be successful in that arena. And then you realize like, nah, I don't want to be, I don't want to be the expert in that <laughs> thing. So I don't really enjoy it that much anyway, right? Like if you're going to hate your job, you might as well like, I don't know, have a 401k match and have someone pay for your mm-hmm. healthcare and yeah. just like be a salary employee. So I think that's a really big lesson that you learned early on in that you found something that you loved. You realized you have a lot of skills, but you can use those skills inside of your own business because now maybe you're using them, you know, you can have your own, you can manage your own social and you can also write your captions for those reels and your own social, but you don't have to have that be your job. So I think that's important to recognize and remind us all that there's a lot of things that we could do but what do we want to do? Just evaluating that. Mm-hmm. Like, what do I really want to do? Yeah. And what's going to make me like, happiest? Yeah, no. I mean, like happiness is crazy important. And at the end of the day, as an entrepreneur, you're going to have so many opportunities to do things that you're not good at. Like, I promise you can be a unicorn in your own business. Like, you're not going to, like, of course I do client work. And of course, I'm probably writing way more than the average person. Grammarly likes to let me know that I've written like 5 million words. But I mean, there's so many things I'm figuring out for myself every day that have absolutely nothing to do with copywriting. So you're going to have a ton of opportunities to put your skills in multiple areas for yourself and you don't have to do everything for everyone. Yeah. Where do you find inspiration and motivation for your business or, you know, for copy from? So for my business, I really get inspired by my clients. I think when it comes to the people I'm working with, it's mostly women who are just doing insane things. They're breaking glass ceilings. They're disrupting markets. So When I see them show up on these strategy calls and I'm like, so like, how are you different from your competitors? They list off like nine things and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, girl, you're going to crush it. So I think that like inspires me to keep going because of all of the women that I get to work with. And then when it comes to my copy, I think I love to make a lot of jokes in copy. Some of my favorite brands to write for are ones where they're like, just go for it, be blunt, be witty. Like, that's what we want. And I think a lot of it is just from my personality and my sense of humor. I'm like, oh, that'd be like a two real joke that we should throw in there. But also I, I travel a lot and I love to just like talk to people and learn new words. And I think a lot of my copy inspiration just comes from my environment. That's really cool. I find sometimes from different copywriters that I talk to or work with inside of my agency, some people will get inspired from books that they read or other resources or mastermind groups that they're in. 
But I love that you are inspired also from your clients, but from just the outside world, like just from being yourself and experiencing life. And you probably have like an ever going reel of like something that could turn into coffee that you're experiencing. So I'm sure it'd be very interesting to be a little fly inside of your brain. Just, <laughs> just seeing the crazy place that you're there. doing. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so fun, like to write for brands that are just like chock full of personality. Like I, that's why I do a lot of passion projects. Sometimes I have like a random company idea and I'm not going to like go out and start a company right now, but like teaming up with a brand designer and just writing copy from scratch and just getting to lean in fully to all of these things that are going on in my head is just a fun way of being able to express myself as a writer and just have that unbridled creativity without having to feel like I need to impress a client. So I highly recommend that anyone who's feeling very creative is create your own projects and be your own client and just let yourself like take your craft to the extreme. Yeah, I love that. Is that mostly the advice that you would give to someone that's kind of starting out, maybe looking to start or grow their own service-based business? For sure. I think if you're looking to like use that to like grow your service-based business, I would say less balls to the wall with your ideas and more do passion projects that will attract the people you're looking to sign. I would take a more strategic approach. But like once you get to a point where you're signing clients, you're feeling good, but maybe you're in like a creative rut, then I would definitely recommend just like pick something weird and create. Like if you're a social media manager, create a fake account for an item that like you'd want. Or if you are a web designer, like just design the craziest, most animated website you've ever made before. So just like, don't be afraid to play because when there's no client involved, like just go for it. Yeah, that's so fun. I can imagine just like doing a project for the sake of doing it. I don't think I've ever really <laughs> thought about doing that. Maybe I should. <laughs> I mean, if an idea hits you, I think like one day yeah. you're just gonna be like walking through the grocery store and you're gonna be like, I got it. Like, I thought of this weird potato chip <laughs> brand. I'm going to do it. I'm going to create it. <laughs> yeah. Then I'm going to send it to you and everyone will get free potato chips. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy, thank you so much for sharing so much insight, behind the scenes knowledge with us today. Where can people connect with you? Where do you hang out most? And what's something exciting that you are working on? Yeah. So if you want to hang out with me, I'm a big Instagram girl. So find me on the gram at my right hand woman, right spelled like writing. I also have a website. So that's just myrighthandwoman.com. And if you are thinking like, I don't really know what my brand voice is, you can actually just go to findmybrandvoice.com. And I have a quiz there that'll tell you what your brand voice is. It's like a BuzzFeed quiz. It's so easy to take. And something I'm working on, I am currently knee deep in writing up templates. So you can expect a web copy, a sales copy, and a year's worth of nurture emails, three templates to be coming out. I think when this episode drops, it'll be maybe out, maybe launching. So if you're listening to this, I would encourage you to go to my website, see what's out. Or if it's not out, put your name on that wait list so you get an exclusive discount when it launches. But I would love to work with you or just hang out with you or chat with you in the comments. Really, if I can just have you in my world, that would be so much fun. Amazing. Thank you so much, Lucy. It has been an amazing journey hearing about your journey as an entrepreneur so far. And I wish you nothing but the best in the future. I know amazing, great things are coming for you. Thank you. I really appreciate it, Liz. It was so fun. Hey there. What did you think of that episode? If you enjoyed it, 
here are a few free ways to help support the show. First, you can hit the follow button so you never miss a new episode or any bonus episodes that I create for timely advice. Secondly, if you screenshot the episode you're listening to and tag me on Instagram at LizBoar underscore com, you'll be entered to win a special prize. And the prizes are really good. And lastly, reviews are one of the best ways to provide social proof to others that this show is worth a listen. Plus, it gives me an idea of the content that is most helpful to you. Feel free to include your podcast or Instagram name. I'll give you a shout out during a future episode for more exposure to you and your brand. A huge, huge thank you in advance.